Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Is it really? Stress of holiday shopping for endless lists and social functions or no social functions with no invites or feeling sad when everyone around you is feeling happy or are they really happy or are they just faking it? It's our social media that says we're happy, but that's just an edited life. And so the spinning is in a continuous circle. And yet for many, the chance to cry or to have an outlet to escape or just to be able to talk to somebody is just a call away. And so with that being said, I want to welcome you to episode 45 of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And for more information, you can always head to extensionmarketing.com. Leslie Scott from the uh, Distress Center of Ottawa is joining us with a very realistic outlook of what people are really going through and what is going on behind those closed doors. Leslie, great to have you here. Yeah, great to see you again. I know. We've had so many chats. <laughs> we have in the past, so like, many what, chats. 10 years, I guess? I think so. Ha- have yeah. you, how long have you been there? Uh, well, I've been with the Distress Center for over six years now. Um, and then previous life with marketing mm. and whatnot before. It was another four or five years before that. So I always looked forward to... Um, I always look forward to you being on you're such a dynamic speaker and really passionate about you know what it is that you that that you do and the people that you're helping but I always found it really difficult to be able to get in this topic in a four to five minute segment it is uh, when there's so much more to it we can talk forever about the subject Mm -hmm. right because with mental health it doesn't mean that you have a mental illness or that you're suicidal it's your every day is your mental health and you could just be having a really crummy day and that's affecting your day and your mental health. This is going to be, uh, we'll kind of break through as we go through the podcast, yeah. um, it, it, exactly what is going on, the calls that are being taken in, the volunteers, which I think are a massive, massive part of it. But I was really, I was fascinated by the numbers because I think we were close to 60,000 uh, calls yeah. expected, right? Yes. And that number has grown from 2012 uh, we were answering about 38,000 calls at that point. So in six years, we're going up to almost 60,000 calls that we're answering. That's a big shift. It's a huge shift. That's almost 20. Well, it's just, yeah, it's just about 20,000 mm. calls that we're increasing in six years. This is uh, this is not something I think that you originally thought you were going to be <laughs> no. doing. As you can probably tell, Leslie's actually quite comfortable on a mic uh, in a radio. Like there yeah. was a point, you know, where you thought you'd be kind of be broadcasting yeah. in a different sense uh, yeah. when um, you were growing up. Years ago, I was in the radio world. I went to school for radio broadcasting and uh, worked in Brockville for a couple of years. And then I worked in Ottawa for a couple of years and then made a shift to a different corporate job. I did that for four years and then I just got tired of saying I'm not helping anybody. I don't feel like I'm helping anyone and feeling that um, disconnect from my community and my city as a whole. So I started looking in the not-for-profit world and lo and behold, the Distress Center came up and piqued my interest and here I am. Yeah, and you've stayed in it and you've been wonderful for them in terms of getting the message out. But it's a a big shift when you're going from that corporate setting and the go, go, go 
go, right? Yes. Uh, to, to be able to make the ship, like, were you one of those kids that just liked being the kid in the playground helping the other kids like was it always okay always I, you know my mom always said that she said, I always thought you were going to be a teacher because you're always there and helping other people to learn and I said well you know I look at back now and being in marketing it's sort of the same thing and helping people learn about the distress center has been a really great uh, project for me the past six years because we're, we're just raising awareness all the time and constantly with new ways new social media and, and just getting out and about and like doing podcasts like this with you you know it's you're reaching new people all the time well you're reaching people who are dealing with an issue that is is a constant yeah. it could be a constant or it could be a seasonal or it could yeah. be just a certain um situation yeah. and so I would think that the job for you while it similar things happen every day, there's always a shift. There's always something different in a day. Always. <laughs> That's the great part about my job is that this like no two days are the same. Um, and it's funny when I went on maternity leave and I was trying to uh, train my replacement for the year. She's like, so what do you do every day? And I went, um, <laughs> you're going to figure that out on your own, <laughs> but here's what we need to do every day to make sure that we're getting our message across. Uh, but you know, like my job, goes all the way from running our website, our social media, to doing stuff like this with you, uh, and everything in between. And understanding uh, the calls that are coming in and the people that are taking the calls, the volunteers that are coming in. Yeah. I know there's volunteer coordinators. Like There's so much that, that's involved in taking those 60,000 calls. This is the time of year. I thought this was timely to do it yeah. right around the holidays, because do you see is there an increase? Like what happens at this time of year? So it's sort of twofold. So we have a lot of people that are dealing with situational anxiety, situational depression. I don't have anywhere to go. My finances are too tight. I can't afford to get any Christmas gifts for my kids because I have to put food on our table. Um, those are sort of the more immediate uh, stressors that are happening. Then we have the people who push everything out of their day. And they're going, I just have to do get through my to-do list and I'll deal with X, Y, and Z tomorrow. And then X, Y, and Z gets moved into the next day and then the next week. And then come January 1st, January 2nd, January 3rd, when the Christmas holidays are sort of wrapped up, they start feeling that letdown. They feel the panic. They start going, oh my gosh, I spent so much money. My credit card bill is going to be atrocious. How am I going to pay for this? They saw too many family members. They had, you know, it's just, there's so much that just adds up. And those people are the ones that we see the influx of calls in January, February, March. But we're dealing right now with the people who are dealing with the immediate. That's interesting that you say that. You have the immediate stressors mm -hmm. right now, yep. but that it's it's more... January, February, March, the repercussions. Yes, exactly. Is that it, the repercussions the of repercussion. what the holiday brought? Yeah, and I mean, it could be as simple as Aunt Betty came for dinner and made a comment as to why you're not married to your partner yet and you've been together for five years. And that can just be triggering for some people. Um, or it could be that you burnt your turkey or, you know, maybe your family just didn't show up for the holidays and you were expecting them to. How are you prepared for each of the calls that come in? Can you go through, kind of go through the the numbers and uh, mm. the ages? And I know that there's a dis, you know a, a difference between the men and the women who are calling. Can, can you give us an, a kind yeah. of an overlay? So, what's really nice actually is to see that men are calling us more. 
it used to be that we were 70% women that were calling and only 30% men. We're almost at the 50-50 mark now, um, which is really nice to see because men for the longest time were always the breadwinners. And I'm using air quotes while I'm saying mm-hmm. this. And, you know, they're, they're the ones that were were coming home and they were just strong for their family. They did not discuss their mental health. They didn't talk about what was going on in their lives. And so it's nice to see them talking about things more now. Um, so with that, you know, it also differentiates between men and women what kind of subjects they're calling about too, right? We get women who call about infertility and pregnancy loss and grief, whereas men may be struggling with other issues in their life, you know, or cancer diagnosis or just mental health on the whole and depression. Um, the calls that come through, we need to be prepared for, but we don't have that great technology that'll say, that's a suicide call, I need to get ready with my assist training, or okay, that's just somebody who's looking for a community resource. So our training that we give our volunteers who are on our phone lines is extremely intensive so that we're prepared for any of those calls that come through. Okay, on any given day, could you have, could you see any one of those situations? Absolutely. Every call that comes in, we're answering about 170 on average a day. So again, we could be answering a call from somebody who's just had a really bad day at work. They want to vent before they get home to their families. Or we could have somebody who is literally standing on the side of a bridge wanting to end their lives. You've seen those situations come through. Absolutely. Okay. How... I, I can't imagine being on the other end of a phone. Yeah. With goodness in my heart, wanting to take a call and help somebody and to, to realize that, sp- that someone is in that much pain. Yeah, it's um, our training is really second to none. And I'm not just saying this because I work for the Distress Center, but when I started, I took the training myself because I need to be able to support our volunteers and, and help on the phones when needed. It, it was honestly the best education I have ever taken in my life. It's so eye-opening. Like... Sometimes, you know, I've had a really crummy day. You're you're welcome to have a crummy day. That's your right as a person to have a crummy day. But when you hear and feel the pain that somebody else is going through, you're going, wow, this is what I'm meant to do. This is why I'm helping people. This is why I'm here. Okay, so let's, can we go through that? Because this was was the the start of your career, right? So take us through, um, you start a training process like this. And if I can go back even further steps, how does one even get to be able to decide or to say, I'd like to be able to do this. I have this sense of being that I want to be able to help others yeah. to get on a list like this. And that's that's the first thing is is knowing that you have that in you to to help somebody. And we all do. And you know, when you hear that somebody says, Oh, I take calls and help prevent suicide from happening and people go, Oh, I can't do that. You can. It it just takes the right training and the right mindset to be, okay, I need to absorb how to help somebody. And it's a lot about active listening. So if somebody is interested in in becoming a volunteer, visit our website because there's so much information on there. And that's uh, www.dcottawa.on.ca, sorry. And um, it has all these uh, frequently asked questions like, what do I do in this situation? And how do I become a volunteer? What kind of background do I need? Really? You just need to be a compassionate human being. We'll do the rest. We'll train you. How long is the training? 60 hours. So we're not just taking somebody off the street and handing them the phone and saying, okay, good job. Good luck. Here we go. And, you know, help save people. It's um, you really need to learn how to actively listen 
Um, we talk about limits and boundaries with callers. We talk about empathic assertiveness, grief, all the different kinds of mental illnesses. So bipolar, schizophrenia, borderline personality disorder, anxiety, depression. We go through all of these and all this training has been developed in-house over the past 49 years. And then on top of that, all of our volunteers have to go through the Applied Suicide Intervention Skills Training Workshop, which is a two-day uh, workshop on how to help prevent suicide and how to recognize those key phrases and um, uh, characteristics of somebody who may be experiencing suicidal ideations. Are you able to share what some of those key phrases Absolutely, are? Like, you yeah. know, like what, what when we're listening to a conversation mm-hmm. are trigger points? So if you had somebody who um, in your life was dealing with a lot and then suddenly they, they were saying, you know what, I'd really like to give you this out of my life. So it could be something materialistic. It could be a prized possession of theirs. It could be an animal. It'd be like, Leanne, I really want you to take my dog because I think you're just going to give him a really good home. What would your response be? Why? <laughs> why? 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 I, I can't take your dog. Like you, that's your dog. Why would you want to give me your dog? Um, it could be that you you see somebody who has been, you know, dressed to the nines for their ten years of their life, and then suddenly they start letting their looks go a little bit, and then their hygiene starts going. Um, it could be that this person was super social for a good chunk of the time that you've known them. And then suddenly they're isolating, isolating themselves and withdrawing from social scenes. Those are all just sort of messages. And when we're hearing them on the phone, we're hearing people say, there's just no point anymore. What, what do I have to live for? Why, why, who would even miss me? Those kinds of things are triggering for us to go. Are you thinking of suicide? And that's the hardest question to ask. I was going to say, do you ask that question? We have to, because at that point, when we're concerned, um, we need to know if they have a plan, a plan of action to end their lives. And um, sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no. Um, if they say yes, we start utilizing the the assist workshop. And that's there's a, tr- a triangle of how we work and getting them to a safe place, making a safe plan with them getting them help, immediate help if they need it. Um, Sometimes we have people who are calling us and have already started the suicide attempt process and we need to intervene. We ask them if we can call an ambulance or police on their behalf because we don't want anything to happen while we're talking to them. We keep them on the phones. We call paramedics. Um, I will say 95% of the time we are able to de-escalate the caller with using the applied suicide intervention skills training. And then helping them get to a safer place, making a safe plan for the next hour, the next five hours, the next day. So, and then sometimes we hear back from them and they say, thank you for helping save my life. And sometimes we hear from the families and say, they told us what you did. Thank you so much. We had no idea that they were struggling. That's the scary, that's the scary part right there. Yeah. We We don't know when we hang up the phone. Right. We don't know when when they're done, if they're going to call us back. So there's with the training that we do, we also train our volunteers to talk to us after a shift. I was going to say, like, my God, <laughs> you're, you're there, you're volunteering your time and yeah. then you're left with this heavy burden mm-hmm. um, of, of someone, un, you know, unraveling. Like, how do you then kind of pick up and go home and yeah. continue on, you know, with... S- 
your day. Yeah. So caregivers in general have um, a higher risk of developing what's called compassion fatigue. So that's somebody, if say you were taking care of somebody in your life who was mentally ill or struggling with depression or whatnot, and you were taking, taking, taking all the time to help alleviate some of their stress and symptoms, what happens to you? You start to burn out. So that's sort of what happens with volunteers sometimes is that they start to burn out a little bit. So we start to recognize signs in, are they showing up for their shifts on time? How are they talking to us in the office? How are they talking to the callers? And we are able to sort of go, are you okay? Do you need to talk? And sometimes they'll just come and sit. We have an open door policy. Um, Sometimes they'll just come and sit in our office and just sit, not say anything. They just need a minute. Do they sometimes need that after hanging up the phone on a call? Yes. So they'll, they'll come in, they'll say, can I debrief with you? I just need to talk. And the, the great thing is, is that all calls that come through the distress center are confidential within our four walls so that they know that they can come and talk to us and they don't have to take that home and feel like they can't talk to their partner about anything because they've already debriefed with us, which is great. And then we also have a shower, like because we're 24 seven, we, you know, people are there overnight. Um, and some people just like to go and physically wash off their four hour shift. They're there for four hours, four hours at a time. Yeah. And could, could they be on the call for an entire four hours with one individual? Like how long does the call usually last? On average, a call is anywhere between, let's say, 15 to 20 minutes. And that's a call where, um, the, the caller has, talked about what's going on in their lives we've talked about coping skills we've you know looked up any kind of community resources that they've that would maybe help them um, such as support groups or an AA meeting or um, if they're looking for uh, drug counseling whatever um, longer calls are ones that are typically more severe somebody is going through a manic uh, episode um, somebody is going through a, a big stage of grief um, or you know, the ones that are about suicide are the ones that are quite a bit longer. On average, even those calls are usually under an hour because we're able to de-escalate the caller or get immediate When you talk help. about de-escalate the caller, yeah. at that point, sometimes you're talking about having paramedics or having yeah. someone, other intervention, yeah. help the situation. And again, that's if the caller is at an immediate risk for um, death or if they say, I need to go to the hospital, can you please call me an ambulance? Or we're saying, can we get you to the hospital? Can we call first responders for you? Do you have to ask that question? We do, yeah, because it's it's still their choice. You know, it's it's one of those things where we want to empower them to make the choice to live because you do, no matter what is going on in your life, you have you have to want to live. And we, you know, we, we still have to ask that question though. Like, can we send an ambulance for you? We want you to be safe. We don't want anything to happen. We're there to help prevent tragedy. You have these, these calls that come in. What, at what age are the calls starting? Um, we've had callers as young as 10, um, which is really hard to hear sometimes. Um, mental health starts pretty much at birth, really, if you're born with schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, that can start right at birth. Um, There's great other organizations that work with kids. We will take any age. The majority of calls on average are sort of between the ages of 25 to 45. That's our our biggest lump of the demographic. Um, But we take calls all the way up to 
100 years old. Where are the callers then? If you're saying the average is 25 and up, Mm -hmm. where are those calls being made for those that are like adolescents, 14, 15, 16, 17? Like where are they making their calls? Um, They're making their calls from school. They're making their calls at home when mom and dad are asleep. And they're, they're talking about... Real. Are, are they calling? Is that age calling? Yeah, they are calling, and it's it's growing. How have the call? How have those calls changed from oh, what gosh. you might have seen ten <laughs> Even, years ago to what the the issues are facing adolescents now? I mean, social media is number one, right? There's there's so much social media with you know, tweens and teenagers that parents don't see, regardless of how much we monitor the kids' uh, technology. Um, Their problems are just different than what it was 10, 15, gosh, even five years ago, they've changed. Um, The bullying, the, the, the opioid crisis is huge with that, that demographic, right? The kids are experimenting more with drugs and the fentanyl is in, everything right so um we see a lot of kids who are dealing with sexual abuse um we have a lot that are dealing with assault at school so that could just be um verbal assault even Uh, but the bullying is still a big thing with social media right now the bullying aspect of being bullied on on social media media. all it takes is an instant message right and then all of a sudden you've got four or five, six different people that are messaging you and saying like, oh, you, nobody likes you, you have no friends, you, you know. And honestly, in the today's society, saying you're gay is <laughs> not an insult at all. But, you know, people, that kids are still using that as a term, as an insult. So a caller, a volunteer answers the phone with a 16-year-old going through bullying yeah. online. The protocol is different than it was 10 years ago it is and I mean we need to work with that that adolescent even differently than we would with a 25 year old and talk about how they can start keeping themselves safe and deleting people from their profiles and locking down their profiles more and again we are wanting to empower our callers even if they are 16 to make those decisions for themselves and it's actually great there's a lot of celebrities in the news who are saying and that our kids are looking up to saying it's been so freeing getting rid of my Instagram. I got rid of Snapchat. My life feels so much lighter. You don't have that pressure to always be on. You talked about, you know, having the, your life through a filter. And that, that is what the kids are dealing with now. Their life through a filter. Everything looks great until it's not. Yeah, I, I, I look at these issues and you were mentioning something because you said people are calling it and there's sexual abuse in there. Mm-hmm. So that for triggers for me, you hear a caller that is going through something like this, Mm -hmm. if it's at home and it's physical abuse or there's sexual abuse, how are you, is there intervention? Like what happens in these cases? So we are mandated just as any other organization would, if there is a child in danger with abuse in any form, we need to notify the uh, Children Aid Society and the police. Um, We cannot let that go that is our mandate to make sure that that child is safe so we will we have to dispatch you will yeah we have to there's there's no privacy this is just a a call that comes in and it's 
we have there to. is that yeah. okay yeah we have to we there's there's nothing in this world that is right with hurting a child so there is we have to make sure that that child is safe if that happens have there been instances of that there have in the past um <clears throat> it's it's a very hard topic for our volunteers to to have on the phone too because again it's just so wrong and and that's that sits with them a lot so uh, we definitely make sure our volunteers are okay if they get a call like that but um you know the partners that we have at these organizations children's aid society at the ottawa police they are just phenomenal people at making sure that what we're telling them gets done and and there's a follow-up yeah there's a constant follow-up and you would think that you need to have these relationships between all of the organizations because Mm -hmm. once the call once you've hung up the phone the real work also needs to start absolutely right like we're you can think of the distress center as um a support intake so a lot of the times somebody will say well i'm feeling this way okay well have you talked to your doctor? Have you, do you have a psychologist? Do you have a psychiatrist? Do you see a naturopath? You know, so we're sort of like those intake calls too. And when people are looking for a community resource, um, but again, with the hospitals, if somebody is suicidal, we can let the hospital know we have somebody who asked us to call an ambulance on their behalf. So we, we're just letting you know that they're coming. Um, we also work really closely with the Ottawa paramedic services so that when they get a call of somebody who is in, a mental health uh, situation, they can link us uh, with their caller so that they have a mental health support while the paramedics are on their way. So if someone has called paramedics at nine one one rather yeah. than the distress center, yeah, that there's that there's your training assisted in the call as the paramedics exactly. are dealing. Exactly. So they can call us and we can be talking to the caller while the paramedics are on the way and still on the line while they're uh, being dispatched. How important has that partnership been that you're all working together? Amazing, actually. Um, it's We're going into our third year now with them. And um, they just working with them is so great because they're going, you alleviate a lot of our stress on how to help these callers while we're being dispatched. Because ambulances, as we know, they go in... Uh, levels of triage, right? So somebody who's having an immediate heart attack is going to be a level one, whereas other, you know, if somebody has fallen down the stairs and maybe has a broken arm, the ambulance might not get there for forty-five minutes. So at all, but if someone levels, is 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 in a suicidal yeah state, we're able to talk to them while and use our assist program while uh, the ambulance is on their way. Are there an increase in number? I know that we mentioned this when we were originally talking off the top that, you know, you'll get a spike right now mm-hmm. during this time and then the spike returns for January, February, yeah. March. Uh, as, but what what is happening now over the next kind of two weeks of social events, lack of funds, yep. uh, lack of social events? You know, like what is what is the sense in that environment? Yeah, we have to remember that it's, not everybody's invited to 14 different parties between now and Christmas and New Year's. This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They're a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally as I've been using the Extension Marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into unchartered territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. 
there are people who are completely isolated and don't have anybody and just see the Christmas and New Year's season go by like it's any other day. Um, or, you know, you by have, any other day, still a dark, a very a dark, dark day. day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you have the people, the food bank right now is experiencing a high level, probably higher than they have ever seen of people who can't afford to feed their families. And, you know, those kinds of calls come in pretty well every day going, where do I go? I, I don't have like we have a can of tuna in our house and I don't get paid for another two weeks. Everything went to my bills. I, I don't know how to feed my family. Um, those are big stressors. We have to remember that it's not just all about the turkey and whatnot on Christmas Day and being invited and you're stressed and, oh, my God, I have to go buy 15 different presents for my kids' teachers. And, no, some people don't have any of that. So those calls are coming through. And we're just going... We're here for you and we'll help you in any way that we can to help find you support that you need. That's a different support. I mean, there's one thing to be able to call the Ottawa Food Bank, mm-hmm. but um, that's a situation that you could be on a call every day with these individuals until yep. they're able to get their footing. Yeah, absolutely. And we do have repeat callers who call us every single day because we do become their support system in a sense and we become their friends and we're there for them to talk to. And it's nice actually to hear when we hear people calling back and saying, you know, you guys, we talked to you for like four days last month and you really helped me. I got back on my feet. I was able to find the support I needed for whatever it was going on. Um, so we love hearing those calls. Um, the, the one thing I'd love to say though about Christmas day, because we are 365 days a year, we are 24 seven, like our phone lines do not shut down. You think that people wouldn't want to work Christmas because they want to be with their families. It's the first shift that gets filled up every year. Our volunteers are like, I want to work on Christmas. No, that's my shift. I get that one last year. I want it again. Why? Why? What is the appeal that day? They just love being there on Christmas Day and hearing callers call in because the majority of callers on Christmas Day are calling to say thank you. Really? Yeah. They're just calling to, and I tear, like I'm sitting here, you can see me, I'm tearing up. It's so nice to hear when a caller will say, I just wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas because you're here, you could be with your families and you're here listening to me. And it's just, it's something, it's something special. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny to actually watch our volunteers go, no, that's my shift. I want you, that You one. don't see that in many places of employment, right? No. And it's not even employment. No. It's volunteer. They're there on their own will and they want to be. And it's, it's just such a special place and, and every single day, obviously, but at the holidays, we're really reminded of how incredible our volunteers are to, to want to give their time. Um, you know, when I was thinking about doing this podcast, um, there was a big part of me that was wanting people to know that there's outlets. Yes. And then there's also a big part of it because I know the people that are listening to this are the types of individuals who are saying, this is maybe where I can find my volunteer or my giving back. And yeah. so it's a very, it's, it's so interesting to see on one topic, two very different sides. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's like I said earlier, it's one of those things where you're like, I couldn't do that. There's no way I could be a volunteer. I couldn't help save somebody. You can, though, because our training prepares you for everything that's going to come through the phone lines. You have to be um, you have to be dedicated. 60 hours yeah. of training. Of training. And yeah. that weekend, that two-day uh, the for the suicide prevention, yeah. that's, enough, that, that's in there also. That's in there as well. Plus, you have a commitment of one year with us. So that's 200 hours. 
it seems like it seems daunting to hear those numbers, but really, if you have four hours a week to give for one year, that's your commitment. Four hours. That's watching something on Netflix for a few, you know, a few episodes. Yeah. I've just been into Outlander these oh. days. <laughs> Homeland. We're watching I, Homeland. <laughs> I, like I'm, I'm, I, you know, it's just to lighten up the mood a little bit. I said to my husband the other day, I'm like, I need this to be done. So I can get back <laughs> to normal, like you know, like because I'm not a binge watcher, yeah. and I I tend not to watch, you know, like I'm I'm not watching a lot of, t- of television anymore as much as I used to. Yeah. Um, but someone was like, you just got to give the show a chance, and it took me like a, like maybe six episodes to get in, and now it's like I'm just waiting for the kids to go to bed so I can play it, or it's like yeah. if I find like 20 minutes and like I can sneak onto my computer, like it's you know like, yeah. so when you're talking about can you find four hours I'm like I need this show to be done so you have so that hours. I can get my four hours <laughs> back like it's, I'm actually now scrolling through I'm like I just want to know what happens yeah you know like that's a that's you know, homeland so, <laughs> so we all have it yeah. but we all have that those four hours yeah. yeah either you're Netflix binging or those are the four hours um over the course of the week that you're doing do, are, do people do more than that you can I mean you're completely welcome we have a retiree and um, I know he's going to be listening to this after when we posted it um he's incredible he's been there for I think seven and a half years now and he has given over about 15,000 hours on our phone lines he's there easily four to five days a week retired retired so he has the time but he always says it's the best retirement job he's ever had. That's 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 amazing, you know. It and is. people are look, are seeking purpose, yeah. and he seems to have found it. And he's phenomenal. We always joke, we're like, okay, when we figure out cloning humans, we're just gonna get about eighteen of you. <laughs> and I would think, being there four or five days a week, those hours, he's pretty much taken every call, every single call you can imagine. Yeah, he's. Um, all of our volunteers are phenomenal, and he's definitely one of the ones that our new volunteers and, and current volunteers look up to. He does a lot of our um, training with our, our new, our new uh, volunteers that come through, and uh, he's definitely a role model. How often are you circulating? How often are you offering the the volunteer courses? Like, how often does this happen? So we do training throughout the whole year, except for July and August, just because summer is really hard for people to schedule mm-hmm. when they have cottages and vacations yeah. and whatnot. Um, so we start we start in September and we go all the way up until the beginning of June. Um, we do evening classes Mondays and Wednesdays or Tuesdays and Thursdays, depending on the time of year. Um, and then we also do a Friday day class. So you have options when you apply, um, you go through a pretty vigorous screening process. Again, we're not just taking anybody off the street. Okay. What let's, let's let's go through the checklist right now, because if there are people that are thinking, okay, like, let's see where they might get red flag or where they're like, okay, this is worth my, my while. So when you want to become a volunteer, um, again, I encourage you to look at the website because there is that commitment we just talked about. Um, you want to make sure that, one, you're not going to be leaving the city in the next year for a big move or school or um, you know something gigantic that's going to take you out of your commitment. Um, two, we want to make sure that you haven't had any huge life stressors yourself within the past year. So... Um, that being like losing somebody in your family that you're grieving um, strongly over. Um, if you've been affected by suicide in the past year, if you yourself are struggling with your own mental health, it might not be the great time for you to um, apply to be a volunteer. We want to make sure that your mental health is um, good and stable because a lot of calls can be triggering from those who are dealing with mental health issues as well. 
So, you know, those are sort of the first few things. Um, you want to you wanna just make sure that you're somebody who can really listen. So... Uh, okay, when yeah. you talk, are we, are we talking police check? We are do we have doing, police okay. check. Oh, like, yeah. I'm like, are there, like, you've left out, like, what are red, like, red yeah. flags? So there's a police check We that's need a down. police yeah. check, yeah. Um, and that's to work with the vulnerable sector. So um, you get a letter from us to, to go and get your police check done. Is that and difficult? Like, yeah, some people might right off the bat go, like, well, that seems like it's a lot of effort. Is it hard to do that? No, actually, How now the Ottawa, Ottawa police now actually have it. You can do it online. Um, whereas before you'd have to go into the station, but now you can do it all online. You have uh, hundreds of questions you have to answer, but um, yeah, it just takes no time at all, really. And it, it's about three to four weeks before you get it back. Okay. So, th- you know, when you start to apply, the process can be fairly quick. We also need reference checks from you. And uh, these reference checks can't be, you know, your your partner or your mom or, you know, we want to talk to employers. We want to talk to a professor. We want to talk to somebody who is going to vouch for you as a person in a great way. Um, and the girl who does all of our, our screening will do an interview with each of those references as well as you twice. So I was going to say, like, so it's not like you, you've got good old buddy over here going, hey, okay, you're going to get a call. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, a full screening process. Yeah. And they will be asking tough questions. questions, tough okay. questions. And even our application, um, we do all of our applications online. There's no right or wrong answer to the questions that we're asking. We just want to know more about the people that we're putting on our phone to trust, that our callers can trust to talk to. And even still, sometimes people get accepted as a volunteer and they start the training and then we go, "Mm, we're seeing red flags that didn't come up before. And we'll ask if they can politely leave the training and and cut our losses there. Um, Again, that's just because we want to make sure we have the right people that are on our phone lines providing the right kind of support. It's an investment. You see this as an investment as well. Yeah. If we break down the dollars to train each individual volunteer, it's about $1,500 that we absorb. The costs. Yeah. And how many do you have a year? How many volunteers? We get about 400 applications a year. Okay. Uh, We train about 120. So you can see. 400. Okay. So even though you're applying, that doesn't necessarily mean you're getting in. No. 400 applications to volunteer. Yeah. 120. Yeah. About that. When we when we train people, that's about as many as we get through the training course. There's a real trust and confidence in them that there's the right people answering those phones. Yeah, that's why our process is so well, vigorous. It's I would think it's there's there's some life and death into who at any given day Absolutely. who's picking up that phone. Absolutely, and that's we need to be able because we as staff aren't there twenty four seven. We need to ensure that when somebody is on our phone lines at one a.m. answering the call that they're providing that adequate support. How many staff are on hand at all times? We have, volunteers? we have seven staff that are full-time in the yeah. office, normal office hours. And then we have what is called a leader. Um, so a leader is on call for 24 to 48 hours. And those people are there as additional support to the volunteers. So if they need something overnight or after hours or on a weekend, they can call our leader. How many people would be on in the building at 2 o'clock in the morning? Like 3 to 4. So there's always a number of people in yeah, the office. Always, in there. yeah. Always, and yeah. just circulating in. Yeah, it's it's great. And, you know, they come out and they say hi. And uh, I was in on the weekend picking something up from my office, and I had brought my daughter in with me, and they're, oh, hi, and talking to her and playing. Like, it's it's really becomes a family feeling. Mm-hmm. And 
And that comes from the training and the, the vigorous screening process. Okay, so that, that's interesting. The number was so 400, 120, about $1,500. And I know that they're, uh, this is a non for profit. Yeah, that's so. the big thing. People don't think that we're actually a charity, um, that, a gov- that we're government run or that we have funding from the government. We don't. You don't. We are not for profit. So where are the funds coming from? We have some pretty awesome partners. So we work with um, a lot of the hospitals in the local area. Um, and because the reach of our services go out towards Renfrew, SDNG, we work with the hospitals out there. We actually work with uh, Nunavut and Northwest Territories as well. Someone's calling from Nunavut and mm-hmm. they're coming and the, the, it's being picked up here in Ottawa? Yeah. So they don't have the capacity in Nunavut to um, answer their calls 24-7. So we answer um, after hours calls for them and we answer Northwest Territories full time. Okay. The calls coming from Nunavut are very different than the calls <laughs> very, coming from here. Very different. I, and especially looking at the history and mm-hmm. the research I, and the numbers. Yes. The, like, I am the, devastated when I look at the teen suicide rates. Like the, it, it's awful. It's, it's, it's horrific. Yeah. And uh, Nunavut actually just had, in Iqaluit, um, they just had one of two of their uh, main grocery stores burn down. So you already think that they're suffering in terms of how much food gets carried up there because it can only go by cargo, um, like it's flown in. The prices, I mean, to pay for a head of lettuce up there is about $8. So you have to think like a, a pizza, like a delicio pizza that you would put in your oven, on, you know, when you come home from a football game mm-hmm. on Friday night because you're hungry, up there is about $14. So it's um, to lose their grocery store and then have to see this increase in prices elsewhere on top of that was was huge. So, you know, we get calls about that just going, okay, well, the grocery store, the other one is completely out of this, 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 and this. And like, you know, I can't believe I formula for your baby. Like what happens if the, gro- the grocery store is out of formula for your baby? So it's uh, it's very different, very different calls coming from up there. But it's interesting to know that I, I had no idea the reach that yeah. that it's being patched through, yeah. uh, so that they can you know speak with someone to do that. I, you know, you don't realize like we're going to bed at eleven o'clock at night to realize that there are people working around the clock, um, just helping out others uh, in the community. Yeah. The next two, the next like two weeks. So we were talking about that, right? Yeah. It's like some people are calling because. There's no money to buy the gifts or yeah. some person's calling because Aunt Betty didn't like the turkey yet yeah. you know, and, and insulted you. And uh, It happens. <laughs> it, it, it does. Is there – do people understand the, the, the situational anxiety of, of this, like that it's, it's situational? Are people able to sometimes differentiate that or is it – Sometimes when you're experiencing anxiety, um, it, you can feel like there's no way out of that anxiety, even if you've never experienced it before in your life and it's come out of the blue. Um, it's, it's one of those things where we have to work with the caller to be like, okay, let's work on some breathing exercises. Let's inhale, count to three, exhale backwards from three and just help them get breathing again. Cause sometimes we pick up the phone and they're hysterical or they're crying and we can't make sense of what's happening. I would think for somebody who's never made a call, making that call in, a, in just dialing is a, a huge we, you and I have talked about this before. We consider that a huge act of bravery and courage to pick up that phone because you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know us. Sometimes it is easier to talk to somebody you don't know because as human nature, we want to give our advice. So this is what worked for me. You should do this too. 
Um, but picking up that phone to talk to somebody you don't know, that's a that's a big act of bravery. And you could be calling, you're hysterical. Yeah. You're angry. You're having trouble breathing. Yeah. Like in a, in, in a panic attack. You're sweating. Yeah, panic attack is a great word. You're sweating. Things are, flashing lights are around you. Um, you may be dizzy. You don't know what's happening. If you've never experienced a panic attack, it's terrifying. So to make that call and going, okay, I'm, I'm going to call because I heard a commercial or I, I heard Leanne's podcast or I saw a bus ad. I'm going to call. Maybe they can help me. We, you know, we, we're there to help them. Let's calm. Let's work together to calm down. And then let's talk about what's going on. Then let's talk about the coping yeah. skills. Yeah. So there's the initial yeah. evaluate the situation and just get them. Exactly. But I, I would think, right, for that first time, that first time caller, there's something's triggering. Yeah. To, to put them in that position. Yeah, there's something going on in their lives. And sometimes it's a series of events that are going on in their lives. Again, let's go back to the stressors of the holiday season right now. You might be the socialite of your city right now. And you may be going, I'm going to this charity gala, and then I have to go do a photo shoot with this. Uh, and then my boyfriend's company is doing this big party. And then we, we're going to the 67s hockey game with the kids and, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then you're going... How do I fit all this into my day? I'm so stressed. And then all of a sudden that panic starts to go in and going, I don't have time for this. I don't, I don't know what to do anymore. I can't continue on my life like this. I'm exhausted. And then the panic starts to kick in. Um, and again, on the other side, you may be going, I don't have any money. I don't know what to do. My life is not worth living anymore. And then a panic attack kicks in. So it's, uh, it's interesting on different sides of the spectrum. Where do you see this going as mental health becomes more and more of um, a topic that's being talked about more freely, yep. being accepted uh, in a different in a different sense? This distress center is just, I mean, we saw the numbers increase by like 20,000 over the last yep. couple of years. Where is this going? Where is this type of treatment mm-hmm. or therapy, you know, like where where's... Where's the trend of this going? Well, we're happy to say that we're going to be celebrating our 50 years next year, um, which for any business is a huge accomplishment, let alone a not-for-profit who sees continuous growth. We're con- we already have some services that are starting up next year that are going to be new for us. So that trend of getting our the awareness out and our services there is still going to be moving upwards and onwards. But... Um, And it's great to see that people are talking about mental health and we've come a long way. We still have a long way to go to being completely acceptable and talked about freely. Um, There are so many amazing mental health advocates in our community that are doing a fantastic job of saying, just talk about it. Um, But we need the funds to keep it going too, right? Like we think about where we're making our charitable donations and I'm going to do a shameless plug here. We don't get as many donations as one would think. Because I don't think a lot of people know that we are a not-for-profit organization that we talked about before. Mm-hmm. People can check out what the website. Yeah, or... it's dcottawa.on.ca. And there's all different ways that you can donate. It doesn't have to be monetary. It can be an in-kind gift. We have an online store that we opened up. So if you're looking for a Christmas gift for somebody, that's a great way to, to support the Distress Center as well. But um, the trend is still going to be onwards and upwards for us, regardless of what is going on in the world. Because... People need us and our services are proving time and time again to be vital and integral in the community. Well, absolutely. And growing, especially with the partnerships that you now have with the hospitals and the yeah. paramedics. So to see that you're all working on this mm-hmm. together. 
The phone to call. Yeah. What is the phone line? 613-238-3311. And that is 24-7. Every day, 365. Yeah. No matter what. We Our phone lines don't shut down. When we lost power at the tornado, yeah. we were there on the phones until our batteries went out. And then we flipped a switch to the, for our external power and kept those phone lines going. And were, was it busy? We had a lot of people that were dealing with um, immediate concerns. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about that immediate stressors. Um, and then we get people now who are calling us with post-tra- uh, post-traumatic stress disorder um, because they're feeling um, the effects afterwards from the storm. But but interesting, right? Like we're thinking our power's out. Yeah, you know. But I can't was, make my dinner. Like, yeah, oh my yeah. God, but there were McDonald's people again. that were on phone lines at that point yeah. that were that were in need, yeah. and you were able to. Yeah, just we don't it. lose power. Even the ice storm, you think about in '98, it was. Mm. We kept on going. Our phone lines were there. Once again, the number. And for people looking to volunteer, website? dcottawa.on.ca slash volunteer. And they'll get all the information as to how to proceed there. there. And anytime anybody wants to call and talk and if they have questions about volunteering, we're there there to help you. So even someone could call the phone line and and speak with a volunteer. And have you had people call the phone line to speak to a volunteer to ask about what the process, (laughs) what the volunteering is like? We've had people call the phone lines for anything and everything. (laughs) And, you know, it's, it's, they're there. Sometimes we get people who call and are looking to get a taxi and it's a wrong number, but they end up talking (laughs) to us about something else. So it's, uh, it's interesting. It's a, it's a really great place. I, I just want people to know that if they um, if this resonated with you uh, and that you're that person that might be able to give of mm-hmm. themselves, uh, maybe look through that volunteer. You know, yeah, it's 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 a cutthroat from 400 down to 120. But uh, if that's in if that's in your being, it might be a, a perfect outlet, especially as we we're saying for retired people. Yeah, uh, where to be able to go? And if you need to speak with someone, there is someone there who's been trained, as you've heard, uh, to be able to take that call and to be that resource that you need. So. If you're in that position right now, especially over the holidays, or as Leslie said, in January, February, and March, when you're kind of going through the post-holiday emotions, uh, definitely some place to be able to consider to call. Leslie, thanks so much for having uh, the time to be able to talk about it today. Um, And just a reminder that if people are listening, please like and share and subscribe and let people know about the podcast as we continue to see the Living Your Life uh, with Landline podcast continue to grow. Wishing you fantastic holidays, good luck with everything, and it's going to be okay. It will be okay. It's going to be okay. Have a great day. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.